Gospel according to St. Luke, the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This whole construction process has made me keenly aware of the way we design our spaces within a church. I pay close attention now to the architectural flourishes and decisions that create and form the spaces that we gather. And as I look around, too, there's a few things that that kind of jump out, right? Because we make spaces that reflect our goals, our values for doing the work of discipleship, and a special emphasis on that ship part, right? If you're sitting in the sanctuary and you look up, what you see looks like the bow of a boat, right? It looks like the underside of a boat as you look up. In fact, if you're sitting here in this main part of the sanctuary, you're sitting in the nave, the nave, which is the Latin word for ship, right? In fact, I was just recently visiting a church of a colleague of mine in Solvang, California, a Danish community, and they have a votive boat hanging from the center of their sanctuary. They literally hang a boat above their central worship space. And what this all goes to say is, in the church, we've decided we really like the nautical theme. We really have leaned into it over the years because, again, we view that relationship with discipleship, right? And it extends into our mission that Jesus presents for his first disciples today to go, to catch, to go fishing for people. That being said, I don't like fishing. Never have. Don't know if I ever will. But I don't like it. I'll never forget the day uh, I got a phone call, a long-awaited phone call from Bishop Gary Wollersheim of the Northern Illinois Synod to let me know that he had a first call for me to interview with. And he began the phone call by saying, Zach, I got a great opportunity. Do you love fishing? No. Oh. Well, anyway, the church is nice. It's in Wilmington, Illinois. You're going to love it, right? That was the beginning of that first call for us, right? 
And, and there's just something about fishing that just isn't ever been appealing to me. And therefore, I struggle sometimes with this discipleship as fishing metaphor. Mainly because I'm not good at fishing, if I'm going to be honest. Fishing requires quiet patience, which are, let's be honest, neither things I'm terribly good at, right? And it is a little helpful day to see that I'm not the only one who's not good at fishing. Clearly, Simon Peter is also not a great fisherman, as we hear as Jesus asked him to pull out the nets again, and he go, they go, look, we've been doing this all night, and we have caught nothing. Which is why, in some ways, I kind of love that Jesus uses fishing as a metaphor as he talks to fishermen who are, let's be honest, bad at fishing. That's grace, people. He chooses that metaphor for them, even though they clearly just failed at the task. And what I love, I think, most about it is their response when Jesus says, cast your nets again. And their response is literally, if you say so, which is the same response sometimes I get when I ask my own children to do something they're not sure about. If you say so, dad. And yet, they do it. And what they receive is abundance, miraculous abundance. Why? Because they trust in the process. They trust what Jesus is asking them to to do. And truthfully, trusting in the process is not as easy as it sounds. And I know that from personal experience. See, in seminary, you get to this certain point where you go out for assignment. An assignment begins sort of on a large-scale regional level, and then you kind of work your way into a synod, and then you talk with the bishop down to a congregation, right? And what they tell you throughout this process is to trust in the process, which is what we did, except for my process got messed up somewhere. I ended up in a region that couldn't use a first-call pastor, as it turns out, and then, so I had to go through the process a second time, and then I was assigned to the one synod we had agreed we would never go to, Nebraska. No offense, Nebraska, not interested. And it was as that process was unfolding that we found out we were expecting not one but two babies. So now we're being told to trust in a process that is floundering, and we're waiting, knowing that we have twins on the way and no job or therefore insurance to be able to even pay to have the children born. And it was in that process that over and over, people in the seminary kept saying, oh, but just trust the process. No thanks, the process is awful, let's be clear, right? But sometimes that's hard, right? Because the process, well, requires trust. It requires patience. It requires sometimes exploring new depths or new places like perhaps even Nebraska, right? Trust the process. And that process for us, if I'm going to be honest, felt really lonely. It felt like We didn't have the support we needed. It felt like we were being pushed aside to go to a place where we weren't ready, where we didn't have family and weren't going to be successful in welcoming new members of our family. And the reason I I, I talk about this is because in a variety of ways, I've always viewed fishing as sort of a a solitary sort of a thing, right? A, A quiet thing that you do sort of on your own. Growing up, when we go fishing off the pier in Wisconsin, the one rule was don't talk, right? That was the rule. Maybe it was just my dad was tired of hearing us talking. I I don't know, but but don't talk. 
And when I think about that, right, solitary and not talking, it doesn't scream discipleship for me because it's so much about relationships, right? And I think it's important, though, that we listen, that maybe fishing isn't what I thought it was. Because as their nets are filling and to the point of of breaking, what do they do? They turn to their partners in the boat next to them for help. This isn't a solitary engagement. Fishing here in our scripture today is something done as a community, done together. And it's in doing it together that they find success. It's in doing it together that they are able to avert the sinking boat. And I've come to realize in my own life of discipleship and in exploring my own vocation and call that most often my boat begins to sink when I try to do it on my own, when I decide that it's about me and just me, when I'm going to give all the answers and I'm going to do it by myself. And that's the absurdity of the story. Is At the end, when they get ashore, they leave everything behind, including, I would think, themselves, what they've known, their livelihoods, to pursue this new thing. And I think what's even more absurd is that they do it right after they have the greatest catch of their lives. Can you imagine that? Having a job where you have your greatest success you've ever had to date. I mean, literally, they didn't catch a single fish the night before, and now their boats are sinking under the weight of their fish. Miraculous. And they're told in that moment to just walk away from it all. Which gets that other part of discipleship, the timing. This is really bad timing by Jesus, right? Like, really not a great time to walk away from the industry because clearly it's booming for them. And what I oftentimes hear and I've even found in myself is that we're really good at saying now is not the time. Just not the right time. It's not the right time to to get involved with my faith. It's not the right time to go to church. It's not the right time to pursue a call into ministry. We're good at, at saying that the timing is off. But if you're waiting for the perfect time, you're gonna wait forever. It's never the right time. This is not the right time for these disciples to follow. And yet, what do they do? They throw their nets down and they trust the process. They trust in God and they follow Jesus to do the work of catching people. Catching people. Ugh. Don't like that phrase. To be fishers of men. That's what I always heard growing up, right? Again, don't like that phrase particularly. And here's why. Because when I think of fishing, what I think of is a literal bait-and-switch kind of a situation. Like, literally. You're baiting them in with the promise of food, and then they become the food. Now, the church would never use food to bring people in, okay? That's just far below us, right? We would never do such a thing. But truthfully, that's what's going on in fishing, right? It's that bait-and-switch. And then, my experience is, It doesn't always end well for the fish either. There's been multiple times when we're trying the catch and release thing, and I release the fish, and pretty soon the the, the fish is floating on the top of the surface back towards us, right? Not a good situation to be the fish. And if this is the image, if this is the metaphor, I don't like it. I don't like that it's deceptive. I don't like that it's harmful to the one being caught. What benefit is it to the one being caught? There doesn't seem to be one, which is why maybe we need to rethink how we talk about it. And what was really helpful for me as I tore apart this image for discipleship is this. Maybe I've had it wrong. In fact, in one commentary, they say the problem is the Greek 
is mistranslated here so often. That word that we use is catch isn't like forcefully ripping a fish out of its natural habitat for own benefit, but instead is better translated as rescuing someone from peril. Our work is to catch people, to rescue them from their own peril. Peril which might be a life without purpose, maybe a life without community, maybe peril is a life without God. We live in a world filled with perilous things at this moment. I think about the peril of the weather of this last week, especially down south in states like Texas that truthfully aren't really equipped to handle something called snow. Or the peril of diplomatic and diplomacy breaking down in our world as we teeter on the edge of war once more. Or the ongoing peril of a pandemic that just doesn't seem to want to go away. And it's in these perilous moments, though, that God is with us. God is with us at the safety of the shore as well as out in the deep depths of the unknown this day. And that work, then, of discipleship sometimes is fear-inducing. It's fear-inducing because it literally sends us to depths unknown, to places that we are uncomfortable or unfamiliar with. And that's why Jesus gives that classic, divine pep talk. Do not be afraid. That is the reassurance he gives to these disciples who are about to leave their nets and leave their lives behind. Do not be afraid. Why? Because this call is not yours. It is mine. This call is not Simon and Peter's. It is God's call. And it is, a lead, it is a call that will lead to abundance, not just for the individual, but for all people. Because truthfully, we are all in this boat together. Thanks be to God. Amen.